Good morning. How are you? Good well, I can hear myself speak. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, my name is John. I'm a friend of Kevin's, and I think he introduced me last week or sometime before they left. Um, uh, I have been friends with Kevin and Christy for, I don't know, a long time, 18 years, maybe longer, I forget, you know. Um, we served together back in Phoenix, and uh, I've been sort of a part of this church and his dream ever since he came to New Orleans to plant, and we've been friends ever since, and we would often pray together. I took over the ministry he started in uh, our previous church in Phoenix, and we would pray together on a Saturday night because we didn't know what God was doing in our lives and what God wanted to say, so we would pray and beg God for help. And so uh, we've been uh, friends for a long time, and uh, I appreciate the privilege and opportunity to uh, to share with you this morning. I was actually uh, speaking at the North Shore before, and I'm more awake now because I'm still on Phoenix time, so it's two hours difference, and now the coffee has kicked in, and I'm, <laughs> so you know, and I have to go back home this afternoon. So unfortunately, it's a quick trip, but uh, really appreciate. Um, I know that Kevin likes to take you guys through. You guys are going through the Old Testament, maybe right now. So you guys go through like large portions of scripture, like a big survey, because I know he wants to, you know, I'm the opposite. Um, I've done, uh, I used to teach Old Testament classes at a college in you know, Phoenix, and I would teach large section, sections like that. But I teach a study uh, back in Phoenix, and we're going through Ephesians, and we go very in-depth. And so today I have a, a word, not in Ephesians, different scripture, um, that hopefully will be a blessing. So let's pray, and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the sweet fellowship uh, here and the sweet presence of your spirit. Thank you for the worship and uh, uh, just uh, the, the fellowship that we have with each other and with you. Lord, we just want to commit this time to you right now as we look into your word that your Holy Spirit would speak through it would speak to our lives, Lord, that um, in ways that maybe nobody else knows. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I have two. This is okay. I feel like I'm divided here with the poll here. So if I if I look, at it, um, I have two scripture, two major scripture to look at. Okay, the first one's in John chapter one, and the second one's in Luke four. John one's going to be the main uh, scripture. If we want to turn to John one, in verse forty three. I want to read that, John 1, starting verse 43. Um, by the way, this is the, this is the first week of Jesus. This is when Jesus is initially calling his disciples. This is sort of like the week of him calling uh, Simon, Andrew, Philip, and everybody else to, to follow him. And in verse 43, it says, The next day he purposed to go forth into Galilee, and found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, now here's the key, this is the key verse, this question right here. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? 
Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And Nathanael said to him, How how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to them, he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Go to Luke chapter 4 for our next passage. Luke chapter 4. In Luke 4, starting in verse 16. Again, this is sort of at the beginning of his ministry. This time Jesus has gone to his hometown of Nazareth, and he's in the synagogue, and he's allowed, he's going to read the scripture and expound on it. In verse 16 it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet of Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Now, let me just pause right here, okay? I'm, I'm just going to pause. Okay? This is another scripture. It's funny because these two scriptures, God really spoke to me in a very profound way. This second scripture right here that he's about to read is um, sort of, let me just read it and I'll explain it. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Stop. This scripture is really an outline of Jesus' ministry. His ministry was about opening blind eyes, setting people free, announcing the good news, uh, ministering to those who are captives, right? Captives of sin and things like that, right? And, And pause. Now look at the reaction, verse 20. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant. And sat down, and all the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fixed on him. Now they're wondering why he's stopping mid-sentence, because in the original, in Isaiah, the next verse has to do with the day of the vengeance of God, right? So he stops right here, and they're anticipating what is he going to say. Hometown crowd, right? Hometown, you get to speak to your hometown folks and expound the scripture. Look at what they say. And all were speaking well of him, verse 22, and we're wondering at the gracious words that were, which were following from his lips. So far, so good. But then it goes downhill from there. And they were saying, second question, is this not Joseph's son? First question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Second question, is this not Joseph's son? Two questions from two different perspectives. The reactions are different. Look what Jesus says after that, after that second question. And he said to them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard, we've heard uh, done what was in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Hey, we want to see that stuff. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three and a half years or three years and six months when a great famine came over all the land, 
And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, which is Phoenicia or Lebanon, not even part of Israel, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha, and none of them was cleansed but Naaman, who had leprosy, uh, the Syrian. And look at their reaction. All the synagogue were, ra- were filled with rage as he heard these words, and they rose up and cast him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down a cliff. But he passed through their midst and went on his way. Two questions, two reactions, two different results, okay? So go back to John 1, because this is going to be our main passage that we look at. John chapter 1, Nathaniel hears about Jesus from, from Philip, and he asks the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? There's three points I want to make. Typical, right? Three-point sermon. I guess you could have three points, right? You know, somebody has written that somewhere. You have to have three points in the sermon, but oh well. By the way, I don't normally do three-point sermons. I normally go verse by verse through a book, you know, so I get to teach and go. First point is the dilemma. The dilemma. It's the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Do you know, um, in, in the Bible, the questions are asked for various reasons, you know. Sometimes questions are asked because... Uh, the person asking the question knows the answer. Genesis 3, God says, Adam, where are you? Not that God didn't know where Adam was, but it was sort of the list of the, the response of, well, I'm kind of hiding out because <laughs> uh, I'm kind of naked, or I was naked, I got this fig leaf, and, well, that's another story, and uh, can we talk about this, God, you know, later, you know? Sometimes questions are asked to, to cause a person to think. Um, or to, to, to answer a question with a question. Jesus' uh, so-called friends or enemies, frenemies, I guess we want to call them, um, said, try to test him many times, you know. And he would ask him, uh, well, the ministry of John, was it from God or was it from man? Well, we don't know. Well, I won't answer your question. Sometimes questions are asked because the, the assumption is, well, the answer is no. And this is one case in this question. Can any good thing come out, come out of Nazareth? The implication there is, well, no, Nazareth. Now, look at the, the, the verse here in verse 46. or verse, uh, look, look at verse uh, 45. Because Nathaniel's response is sort of expected. Here, Philip is saying, listen, we have found him who Moses in the law and the prophets have written. Stop right there. Stop right there. Okay. At this time, the expectation for the Messiah is huge, right? I mean, they're, they're under Roman rule. They're, under, you know, they're, they're, they're just waiting for this Messiah to come, right? Moses speaks of this Messiah or speaks of the prophet to come, right? If you look at Deuteronomy, go to Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. Go to, you guys like to turn Bibles? You guys are quiet. Am I, you got some coffee? You can pass it around? Okay. All right. I'll just, you know. Deuteronomy 18. Okay. This is, this is significant. Deuteronomy 18 and uh, verse 18. Moses says in Deuteronomy 18, verse 18, he says, this is the Lord speaking, I will raise up a prophet from among your countrymen like you, and I will put my words 
in his mouth. That's exactly what he tells to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1. I will put my words in your mouth. And he will speak of them, or to them, all that I command him. Now, they knew there was, there was prophets that came up, right? You have Ezekiel and Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah, right? But they also knew and expected a prophet, right? The main crescendo, the main guy, right? And so, like, when John the Baptist came on the scene, they said, are you the prophet? Are you the one? Right? So here's Philip telling Nathaniel, we, the one, you know, the one we've been waiting for a couple thousand years, Moses told us about, yeah, he's here. And the prophets, you know, he's here, right? Well, if you go back to John and he says, the one who uh, is written by Moses and the prophets, John 1, we were just in John 1. If you look at verse 45, it says, And we found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote. In the Greek, it ends like this. Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth. Okay, what's big, so what's big about that? Nazareth was never heard of before. It's not in the Old Testament. It's not in any of the Talmudic writings or Josephus or anybody else, okay? As if to say, we found him who Moses wrote about, the prophets wrote about, Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. What? Nazareth? That's like, okay, I don't know about you guys. Do you guys have any small towns in Louisiana that you kind of just drive through and you blink and it's gone? You know those sounds? Why is this place here? <laughs> in Arizona, if you're going to go from Phoenix to San Diego, you're going you're to catch the I-8 in a town called Gila Bend. And it's basically uh, when the road gets a little wider... And there's gas stations and McDonald's, and pretty much that's it, you know? And you wonder, why is this town here? It's kind of like that. Or a friend of mine who's, who grew up in Mexico, he says, you know, if you ride, in my town is so small, if you ride a donkey and blink, it's gone. Okay? That's Nazareth, okay? Okay, 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 this, I don't know, if, if I were in charge, if I, which I'm not in charge, thank God, I would have my son come out of Jerusalem, right? I would say, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Jerusalem. Yeah, because Jerusalem's where it's at, right? But Nazareth? What? Really? You know, maybe Nathaniel is not expecting it because it's so small. It is insignificant. At this time, they think maybe it's 100 feet, 200 people, 1,000 people. They don't know. But come on, it's so small. How can anything good come out of something so small? Don't you have to be big and large? Don't you have, like, have to have you know, a lot of to do, Right? You know, leave it to God to, to work in, in the midst of and through s- small things, right? I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I have to be a certain level before I'm usable by God, right? Or I have to be a certain intellect, right? Oh, I'm not as smart as this guy. Or I have to feel like I have to be, you know, the guy in front, right? You know, the official guy, right? You know, the guy... The, you guys, they don't have collars here, right? We don't wear collars in feeding because it's too hot and it looks kind of weird. But, you know, you feel like you have to be the person, right? But who am I, right? How can God use me? See, when, when God decides to use people, he doesn't look for the biggest and strongest and, the, you know, he, he'll use those people. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. But the small, listen, the smallest of Nazareth doesn't, okay, Nazareth isn't, doesn't make God great. God makes Nazareth great. It's a, it's, you know what it's like? Okay, you guys like watching the Olympics? 
Okay, who likes, who's looking for the Olympics? Okay, you guys like, okay, the, the opening ceremonies, right? You know, it's in the country, right? I don't know, remember that one in China was impressed. We're like, oh man, how do, you, how do you compete with that, right? And you, they had their acrobats and they had their dancers and their performers, right? And you're watching and you're excited, you know? And then, then there's the introduction of the countries, right? And the guys, the guy with the banner, right? He's holding up the USA or whatever country, you know, Canada or whatever, you know. And there's people behind all the athletes, right? And you're like, oh, you're looking for your favorite athletes. You know, oh, there's Michael Phelps or I don't know who the athletes are anymore. But you're looking for them and you're like, oh, there's our country, you know. And then you have some of these banners where you scratch your head thinking, where is that country? Right? And you Google the country, right? Oh, it's in Africa somewhere, in Asia somewhere, in you know, well, here's it is. Here it is. There's one guy holding a sign that says Nazareth. And there's one guy holding the sign that's carrying in the opening ceremony. And you're like, Nazareth? Well, poor guy. He's by himself. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, that's just too bad. He has no friends to help him out. Little do they know that's Jesus holding the sign, right? Because you think that has to be, you know, come, great things have to come from great large things, right? No, it doesn't have to happen like that. So, so Nathaniel's question, maybe it's because it's so small. Can God use something so small? Can you, I don't know. Does God, I don't know about you guys, but in Phoenix we have, we have large churches, large churches, right? And, you know, these churches have, you know, they have the smoke, smoke machines, you know, laser shows. You guys have that out here? Some of them? And there's a whole show, and I'm not saying there's anything bad, but you don't need that. It's, it's not, the difference isn't that, right? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Maybe, maybe Nathaniel is objecting because he's from Cana and Nazareth is a, a, a competing city. Um, who's LSU's um, rival? Now, see, up the North Shore, somebody said Old Miss. I don't know. Alabama, right? I don't know anything about you guys, you know, but you see, you know, from our side, we, LSU is great, right? You know, you guys are strong. And Arizona, Arizona, Arizona State, they hate each other. I went to University of Arizona in Tucson. My brother went to ASU, Sun Devils, and pff, we just, like, we hate each other, you know? And we just, it's rivals, you know? And it's, it's fun, you know? Maybe he's looking at Nazareth and say, well, that, I'm from Canada, there's some Nazareth, you know? How can anything good come out of there? Maybe it's just because nobody expected it. Look back at, at, at verse 45 again. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. Wait a second. No Old Testament scripture mentions Nazareth. God, where are you going with this? Maybe it's because Jesus was so hidden for all those years. Um, Nazareth um, was, uh, the excavations in Nazareth show that it was maybe a thousand people, maybe less. Nothing real significant about it. Small place. Not a place you would expect anything to happen. But maybe it's because, okay, can I just, maybe it's because Jesus grew up in Nazareth as an ordinary man, Right? And he lived, you know, he lived most of his life in the city of Nazareth or in the village of Nazareth. And 
his, town, his hometown people knew him, right? I mean, they saw him grow up there. I mean, he's a carpenter's son. He's a carpenter himself. You know, the guys probably went out to lunch with him, took him out. He was an ordinary person doing ordinary things. And they were expecting, wait, the Messiah has to be this, you know, da-da-da-da, you know. Um, you guys ever watch the, the, the Captain America movies? Okay, Captain America, right? We love Captain America, right? He's, first of all, a dude's buff, right? Got the blue suit, got the shield. He stands for America, right? He believes in God, you know, and he's strong. You're like, we will follow him, right? And he leads the, you know, he leads the charge, right? We love Captain America. But we don't like the guy, be- remember Captain America, before he became Captain America, he was a scrawny dude? Okay, that's Jesus. You don't expect to follow that guy. You expect to follow the, the big, strong guy. So oftentimes, <clears throat> you see Jesus, and he's this ordinary guy. Sometimes God decides to work through ordinary people in ordinary ways. You know, I thought that maybe, you know, it's only when you're up here doing stuff, ministry does that ministry take place. No, it's often through your everyday, sort of ordinary, mundane jobs where you feel like, I'm not doing anything for God, where God has you there for a reason. I had a time in my life where I sort of found myself back into the business world and I'm an accountant. I don't like numbers. I just like spreadsheets and, you know, analyzing things, you know. And I'm, I'm like, Lord, wait, this isn't part of my plan. This isn't the way I was, I was supposed to go this way and you directed that way. And I was finding myself in this, in this position, family business, 60 people I work with, a bunch of, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shop. They make woodworking and cabinets and whatnot. And I'm like, Lord, why? Well, little I know that God has placed other people there for me to share Christ with. In fact, the first time um, I, we had a Christmas party, first year, and my father-in-law, who's the owner of the business, asked me to pray, right? Christian man, Christian business. He said, will you pray? Sure, I'll pray. Okay, I'm praying. Of course, there's all these rough dudes, right, in the, you know, with, their, with their spouses, you know, keep them not so rough, you know. And, and I prayed, and I sit down, and one of the guys next to me says, oh, thank you for the prayer. I'm like, okay, oh, okay. You know, because you never know, you know, when you're in a not church environment and you pray. And, and so the next, the next, um, the next week, um, the, the, the guy who ran the shop, his name was Gary. He's this rough guy, right? Bald, rough around the edges, right? Just gruff, right? You can, he just has this whole thing, all right? And he goes, I want to talk to you about that prayer. I'm like, oh, man. All right, gulp. You know, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Did I offend somebody? So he came to my office, and he said, I want, I'm on it. first of all, I want to thank you for that prayer. I'm like, oh. Then his voice started cracking. He says, because a year ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He looked like an ordinary guy. This looked like an ordinary business situation. But little and I know that God had me there for a reason, still has me there for a reason, to be, to be a witness for him. And he's not the only one. See, God does extraordinary things to ordinary people, right? Because he's the difference maker. You know, 
It's Samuel who goes to anoint the king and says, Jesse, where's your kids? So, tall, dark, and handsome. Must be the oldest one. Nope, 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 nope. Jesse, or Samuel says, is this all your kids? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I got little David's out in the field. He's shepherding sheep. And of course, that's God's choice, right? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of little old me? Yeah, God makes the difference. You know? Maybe because in the time of Nazareth, where Jesus is hidden, that he's preparing him for ministry. He's preparing him for what he's going to do. Most of the time in his life is in Nazareth, three years of his life in, in ministry, ordinary time, extraordinary. You know, sometimes God has you hidden as well, you know? God has things working in your life that nobody else sees, right? God has, has put you through circumstances and people in your, in, in your life that, and, and trials, and Lord, when is this going to come through? I've been praying for this. How come I'm going through that, right? God knows where you're at. You know, he sent Moses. Moses thinks he's going to be the, the deliverer of Israel. He ends up killing somebody. That's not good, right? And then he runs away and the, spends another 40 years on the backside of the mountain learning humility. And he comes back and he's a different man. The Bible says he's the most humble man in the, in the face of the, uh, of the planet. And he stutters, doesn't have any confidence, but he's got God. See, those hidden ears in Nazareth, I think, did something. I think those hidden ears in our lives do something, you know, where God does something secret. God, I don't know if, you know, in my life, um, there was a time when, when I um, sort of went through this, this, this sort of, like, I wanted to get away from teaching and ministry, and I said, Lord, I give up. Like, this to be up here right now is, a, is from God, because a year ago, two years ago, I told God I quit. I said, God, here's my resignation paper. I'm never teaching again. I was burnt, hurt, discouraged. Um, the whole nine yards, right? I called my friend up in Phoenix. He's a pastor friend, and he was very gracious. And, of course, he said, and I, told him, I said, hey, you can have my library. You have all my books. I'm never teaching for God ever again, right? Just really, just, I don't know if you guys can relate to that, but um, he says, you know, I'll take your, I'll, I'll hold on to your books just to hold on because I don't think God's done with you yet. I didn't want to hear that, right? I just wanted to go off my little, <laughs> my, my little pity party. And I was... Um, I was, um, I was in San Diego, and I was getting ready to run a half marathon with six days of training, and that's, like, no good. You know, your knees are killing you. What are you doing? And I'm sort of like, I, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be, think, I was thinking about church. I was thinking about ministry. I had my headphones on. I'm jogging on the beach, and I'm listening to some, I'm just, I'm just listening to some hard rock music. Okay? I'm not listening to Christian music. I'm just, I just wanted to escape, right? I'm not going to tell you what I was listening to, but, but God knows. And he knew where I was at, right? And it was, and I never had this happen before. It was as if the music faded away. I mean, it's going full blast, but as if the music faded away. And God said to me, I know where you're at. Not in a judging way, but as a shepherd reaching out for his sheep. He goes, John, I know where you're at. And I, didn't, I did not understand why he did that, but 
it was, a, it was a, a sort of hidden Nazareth time in my life where he was doing something nobody else saw. You know, <clears throat> sometimes it's, it's easy to, to judge people and see what you think is going on in their lives. We have no idea what God is working in their lives. And maybe there's some preparation that he's doing in their, in their lives, you know. Maybe Nathaniel is objecting because it doesn't follow the script, right? Wait. God, you're supposed to fulfill these prophecies in this way, right? You're supposed to send your king, your Messiah, who's going to boot out these Romans so that we can live happily ever after, right? Right? Does God ever feel... You ever get frustrated because God doesn't fulfill your script? Come on. When God doesn't do what you expect, hey, God, I know the pattern, right? I've read the scripture. I know all the verses, right? And it says that you're supposed to do this in this way. And he says, no, I'm going through Nazareth. No, it's supposed to be Bethlehem. But, of course, Nathaniel doesn't realize he's actually from Bethlehem, but through Nazareth, which wasn't mentioned, because God doesn't tell us everything, right? He doesn't give us a flight plan. Because, you know, if we got to hold that flight plan, what would happen? We'd crash the plane. So thank God he doesn't give us the flight plan. Or we would object. I don't want to go there, God. No, I need you to go there so I can, you can do this and teach you that and affect these people here, right? God, you're not, you're not, this isn't the way we do it, right? You're supposed to go this way. Listen, God knows the plans, right? And he knows how to carry out those plans. And sometimes we object and say, God, this is what I expected. You're not following the prescription in the Old Testament to do it this way. How come? You know, why not? Now, here's the thing. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I don't know. Can any good thing come out of somebody who is broken and has a past? Can any good thing come out of somebody who's made mistakes? Nathaniel asked the question because he doesn't think so. His, his question seems to imply no. But he's willing to go in, he's willing to, to, to at least check it out, Right? So that's the second point. The first point is the, the dilemma. Can anything good thing come out of Nazareth? But the second point is the directive. Come and see. Come and see. By the way, how am I doing on time? I'm still on Phoenix time, so. <laughs> When's lunchtime? <laughs> okay. So if... if if the question is, and the dilemma is, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? The second part is the directive, come and see. And that's the choice. Here's Nathaniel. He could have said, you know, Philip, I'm not following where you're at. I don't see how this is how this is even possible. Scripture says this, and you're saying that, and uh, I don't know, right? I don't see how God can be in this, because it's not, you know, because I know what Scripture says, Right? You ever do that? You know, thump somebody with the Bible, you know? <laughs> you know, you use it as a sword or a... I mean, Nathaniel... But one thing Nathaniel has for him is he's willing. He has a decision. His directive is come and see, is come and, see and he, he's willing to go, right? He says, God, I don't understand, but I'll check it out. I'll contrast with the people in Nazareth, Right? This is Joseph's son. There's no way this guy can be Messiah. We know this guy, right? We know where he's from. We know his family. Later, Scripture says 
he's, is this not the carpenter? Is not the carpenter? We know his mom. We know his brothers, his cousins. We don't know family. Okay, we have two choices. On the little knowledge you have, or I mean on the imperfect knowledge you have, you can see, come and see and say, God, okay, maybe there's something to this. See, that's why it's called life of faith, right? Because sometimes you don't have all the information, right? And yet you say, God, and I don't know about you, as an accountant, I like to analyze things and have it all figured out before I make a decision, right? I want to have all my facts straight before I, make, I say yes or no, right? Nathaniel says, I have some facts, and it doesn't fit, but yeah, I'm, I'm willing. These people over here said, yeah, we know everything. There's no way. Now, you have two decisions, and you have two results. The result of this one is Nathaniel does become a believer. He does end up following Christ and becomes a disciple and ministers as well. The effect here, you don't hear of a church starting in Nazareth, maybe in the 3rd century or 2nd century, but you don't have a, this ministry that you would think, hey, hometown crowd, hometown. By the way, in Arizona, I'm a Diamondbacks fan, and we, we are terrible at home. You would think the home crowd would give us an edge? It does not. It's the away crowd that helps them out. But Nazareth doesn't become much of anything. Jesus has to move to to, to Capernaum to do his ministry. And later on, it says that he could do very little miracles in Nazareth. Okay? Limited knowledge and what you do with that knowledge. Nathaniel says, or, or, or Philip says, come and see. He is open-minded. Nathaniel is willing to see what Christ is about. Maybe, maybe God, I don't know about you, but I suffer from, um, what's, the, what's the word, um, analysis, paralysis, you ever hear, what's the, help me out, paralysis, speak up, analysis, you analyze things so much that it paralyzes you, okay, that's what I suffer from, where I have to get all figured out, um, are you willing to follow God on what little you know? You suspect that Christ may be leading in a certain way. You don't have all the facts, but you have some facts. Are you willing to, to go just on that? Or do you think you have the facts and you're unwilling to follow? See, Nathaniel is willing to follow He's willing, and look as he's humble enough to go. Look back at John chapter 1, and look what happens and how this develops. And I guess you can say this is point number three, the, the, the decision. He decides to go. Verse 48 or verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile... Jesus looks at them and says, listen, remember, who was the first Israelite? Jacob, right? And what was Jacob known for? Being a deceiver, right? So he's saying, here's an Israelite who is an Israelite, but he's not like Jacob. He's giving Nathaniel this, he's giving him the praise or whatever, you know, he's giving him kudos, you know. 
And Nathanael says, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, I don't have time to get into all the scripture that points to that. Um, the scripture in Zechariah talk about uh, the fig tree and talk about um, um, various aspects of, of what that meant. But Nathaniel says, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Now look at that. He doesn't have all of his information. And yet he says, God, I'm willing to go. And what he finds is bigger than what he, ex- what he expected. Sometimes God will lead you in this walk of faith to, to, to take a step of faith or steps of faith on limited information, and what you find is greater than what you expect. Because Jesus even says, listen, this is great, but you're going to see even greater things. You're going to see the heavens open up and the Son of Man going, you know, things like that, you know. Sometimes when you follow God, you follow God and you think, oh, when I go and I step out here and follow God, then this will happen. When in actual fact, he has a whole lot more and a greater uh, blessing than you expect. He acknowledges who Christ is. He comes to the conclusion that, that Jesus is the Son of God and the King of Israel. You know, in, in one sense, that is, that is the life of, 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 of faith. That's the life of, of being a Christian is following God despite where you've come from, despite whatever Nazareth is in your life, if it's a past, if it's, if it's a, a struggle, if it's, I don't, I don't feel smart enough, I don't feel large enough, I don't feel important enough, if you can take God at his word and trust him, he's the one that makes the difference. It's not you, it's him. He's the one that can take and take whatever. Sometimes I say, Lord, I don't even have two loaves and two fish to to put together for you. I might have a couple crumbs, but I'll give you these crumbs. Whatever is put in his hands makes a difference, right? Sometimes sometimes, um, um, you want to so be in control of something. And your hands are all over it, right? And you're trying to help God out with it. And God has to say, take your hands away. I have a, a family member that I was praying, I've been praying for, for a long time. And uh, I say, Lord, you know, please save him. Please change him. It's my dad. Okay, I can tell. It's my dad. Maybe he'll listen to this, you know. And my dad was like as far away from God as you can imagine. I tried to, to be, you know, try to help him out, try to you know, make it happen, right? Lord, I, I want my dad to be saved. I want him to, to know you, right? And my dad's way out there, you know, just way out, right? And God's had to say to me in so many ways, John, let him go into my hands. Now, God's a whole lot better at dealing with people, right? He's the Holy Spirit. He's, you know, the Holy Spirit, right? You know, you're trying to... You guys are married, right? Okay. You know how it is when this happens in my marriage where my wife tries to tell me something and I resist it because I don't think she's the voice of God. 
you know. <laughs> and sometimes I say, get thee behind me, right? <laughs> but, because, uh, you know, she has good intentions, right? And there's times where she doesn't say anything and, say, and she says, Lord, okay. She lets, she says, I'm not going to try to control him. And the Holy Spirit gives me an idea or speaks to me and I say, hey, no, we should do this. That's exactly what I was going to tell you to, you know. Sometimes you have to have that happen. Where, well, what does it have to do anything? I had to let go and say, God, okay, here's my dad. Now, that's sort of the, Lord, I don't understand, but I'm willing. I don't have the information, but I'm willing. I, I, I'm going to come and see what you're going to do. But you know, um, just recently, my dad started going to church and started showing interest, which was like, where did that come from? And God's doing something. Because I, was, I, was, I got out of the way. I didn't see any good thing come out of my dad. He was Nazareth. There's no way. There's no way this man, he's like as far as away from God as you can imagine. But I was willing to say, God, I'm going to trust you in this. I understand. And I'm not going to try to control it. I don't have all the answers. I don't, I'm not going to say, well, this, he'll never amount to anything. He'll never do anything for, for God. I'm going to trust God. Can any good thing come out of my dad? Well, if the, if the Lord's there, yes. Could anything good come out of me? Yeah, if the Lord's there, yes. How about you guys? I don't know any of you. I know a few of you guys, right? But from a distance, I know you. But this church, wonderful things can come through this church. Wonderful things can come through your secret hidden lives of Nazareth in your daily lives. Where you say, Lord, put me in, put me in, in the place where you want me to be, in the, in the, in the situations, the people, where I can at least be a blessing to them. I was, um, so last night I got in, and uh, I, uh, I'm in Metairie at the Marriott Causeway. I don't know. And somebody recommended a place down on Magazine Street. Okay, I don't know. Okay, I found a place that's fish tacos. In Arizona, we have fish tacos, so I'm like, okay, get this place. It's the rum house. Yeah, I don't drink, okay? I drink iced tea. That's a strong as I drink. But I wanted some fish tacos. So I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting, like it's packed out, so I'm sitting at the bar, okay? I'm, I have no other choice, right? And of course, I'm like, I'm sitting there, and I just want to have time to myself. I'm tired, you know, I'm, you know, my throat's a little sore or whatever, you know, but it's great now. And this guy sits next to me, and of course, and you ever sit on an airplane where you just want to sit by yourself and not talk to the person next to you? And you're like, well, the guy next to me, he wants to talk. <laughs> and of course, as much as I tried to keep the conversation short, he kept wanting to talk. Well, um, I started realizing that while we were talking, that this man was... Uh, he says, what are you, what are you, what, why are you here in town? I says, well, I'm going to teach for my friend's church. Oh, I have a friend who's a pastor. And long story short, he sort of gave up on God. He sort of, uh, he sort of is in this position where he's here. He's sort of like this. 
you know, how can God do anything good out of life? And I heard this story, and he kind of had some bad experiences and was sort of like gave up on everything, right? Well, then I realized, wow, you... I started encouraging him in God. And say, so, you know, sometimes life doesn't make sense. Sometimes we can speak Christianity to people, right? Christianese, you guys speak Christianese? Okay. Speak Christianese to a non-Christian. I said, you know something? I don't understand life either all, all the times. God doesn't do what I want him to do. God hasn't answered this one prayer I prayed for, for I don't know how many years now, begging God to answer this prayer. God, why aren't you answering this prayer? Don't you believe? Don't you? But I have to trust him. This gentleman had a bad experience. And I said, listen, I'll be honest with you. I don't understand. I said, but it all comes down to Trust. I don't understand how God's going to work this issue out or why he allowed this to happen, why this shirt, I had to go through that. And it was a God thing. I don't, I'll have to say this was a God thing. And it was kind of like a, here's the limited information I have for you, sir. I'll keep it real. God knows what you've gone through. I don't have all the answers as far as why and how it's going to play out. But I do know this. He asks us to trust him. Will you come and see? Now, by the way, his name was Philippe, which is kind of interesting. Philip called Nathaniel, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to remember your name. Pray for Philippe. That was a God thing. That was a, that was a, how can anything good come out of life? I don't think anything good came out, can come out of, out of this Jesus. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Well, how can something good come out of Nazareth? I don't think anything can good come out of Nazareth. Now you have a choice. You trust God and see what happens and come and see or decide it ain't never going to happen. There's a third question, though. It's a question the demons asked. Jesus, they said, what do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Here's somebody who has limited information, yet is willing to go and see. Here's somebody who has limited information, but they think they know it all, and is unwilling to come and see. And the third one is somebody who knows it's Christ, who flat out doesn't want to follow Christ. You don't want to be there. So the choice is ours. Whatever situation, whatever the past, whatever the Nazareth is in our lives, is not beyond God's reach, not beyond God's hope, not beyond God's help. He can take anybody, any situation, and use it for his glory. But you've got to be willing to come and see. Let's pray. Lord, As your followers, God, we, we realize that you are our shepherd. And you call us, Lord, to follow you. You call us, Lord, to, to trust you. And, and sometimes we don't understand how or why or where you're leading us or what you're doing, Lord.
But like Nathaniel, Lord, we want to have those willing hearts. A heart of humility, of teachableness, of being open, Lord, to at least seeing what you have to offer. And not just with just meeting you initially, Lord, but also with just in our daily lives as, as believers, Lord. Maybe there is somebody here that doesn't know you, and they're at that position of hearing you and hearing your call. Lord, I would pray that they would decide with Nathaniel to come and see. Maybe there's um, a brother or sister here that has been walking with you and has experienced um, things in life that have thrown them off course. And you are that good shepherd that has come to seek and save that which is lost. And you have come to search out for that, that sheep that has wandered off and is, doesn't realize or doesn't know where they're at or how to get back, Lord. But you come for them as well. God, we just want to respond to this, the voice of your Holy Spirit and respond. We want to give you our past. We want to give you our, our expectations, our disappointments, Lord. Even maybe somebody is mad at God because God didn't do things the way they wanted to do. Well, we want to surrender all that, Lord. Just entrust to you, God, with, with our lives, with our future, with our, with our past. We ask, Lord, that, that you would not only call us, that we would respond and be willing to see what you have to show us and the things you want to speak into our lives and do in our lives that maybe beyond anything we can ever have hoped or imagined or expected, God. Ultimately, Lord, we want to know you and walk with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.